reiterate, so we're doing the baptism after this service. It'll start just a few minutes afterwards. We'd love for you to stay and cheer on um, those that are getting baptized. I think we have around five or six, some children and adults. And so it really means a lot when people stay. It's, it's only a little bit of your time, and we'll be sure and, and make sure that you, that you get out in enough time that, um, you know, that, that you can uh, um, still do what you're doing in the afternoon. So just... Extra 10, 15 minutes after the service would be great. We'd love to cheer those people on. Um, Want to let you know kind of a housekeeping thing. We, so we've been struggling. Our, we live stream our second service and we archive that video. And we've been having problems with it skipping. If anyone's tried to use live stream over the past month or so, it's, it's been hard. It's, it hasn't worked. So we finally figured out what was going on, and it's you people. No, it's all of us using the Wi-Fi while we're here. We realized our, our Internet service provider didn't have limits on, on how much someone could use of our bandwidth. And some of you are checking out right now, as soon as I said ISP. Um, but, but basically, we've changed that. But what that means is now it, there used to be, it was called VFC Guest, I believe, uh, and it was just an open network. It now has a password, and you're never going to guess what that password is for VFC Guest. How did you know? Yes, VFC Guest is the password. So if you want to use Wi-Fi, um, you're, you're more than welcome to. Um, we... Uh, we will be uh, giving that to you. It's still free, no charge, right? But you just log in now with VFC Guest. If you have any questions, talk to someone besides me. All right. <laughs> we doing good? Yeah? Everyone's happy, healthy? Yeah? Okay, cool, cool. Well, we're, we're continuing our series, Dressed to Kill, where we're talking about putting on the armor of God. We have this morning, and then we have next week. That'll be our last one where we finish up. And so I'm really, really super excited about this. Um, and this morning we're talking about shoes and shields, shoes and shields. But before we get started, um, I, I want to um, I want to confess. Can I confess something to you guys? Because I just think this is funny. So one of the areas of my life that I struggle, and I'm always getting convicted, is my driving. Specifically, how I feel and sometimes say things to others who are driving near me. And not driving in the way that I think is appropriate. This is, am I the only one that struggles with this sometimes? So this was so funny. So the other day, I'm turning, I'm turning, uh, I'm making a right-hand turn. And as I do, someone is turning into a store that's like right there. And they're turning so slow. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just, the, just go. Just, I know there's a gas pedal on that model of car that you're driving. Just push it. And make your way out of my way into the parking lot. So I do, unfortunately, my typical thing where I'm like, oh, come on. You know, or I say something like that. And I look, and on the back of this car is a VFC sticker. <laughs> so I yelled at one of my church members. I don't know who it was. Because <laughs> I immediately <laughs> did this and went driving. So I didn't know if that meant that I need further conviction and instruction in my life or if it means that we just need to take a Sunday and go over some remedial driving lessons for y'all. So I'm not exactly, I'm, I'm praying through that, praying through it. But, so anyway, but we're, we're continuing our, our series uh, called Dress to Kill. We're going to be talking about shoes and shields this morning. Now, just, just for review, I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Uh, and then we're going to just kind of go over what we've, what we've talked about so far. It, it says this. I'm, I'm going to read this in the... Um, let's, I'm going to read this in the New King James Version just, 
just because this is what I originally memorized this in. It says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, we talked about that word wiles. It's schemes. um, It's underhanded plans. Okay? Underhanded. It's trickery. It's deceit. It's not fair. Okay? Um, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle, or as mom would say, wrestle, against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, you will stand. Now, I just want to go over just some basic stuff here. First of all, we are in a battle. We are in a battle. Okay? If life feels like a battle sometimes, it's because it is. Okay? We're in a battle, but this battle is spiritual in nature. You are not fighting against people, even though people turn slow, and even though people say dumb things, and even though people disappoint you and let you down, in the end, our real battle is not with people, it's with the spiritual world. That's what the scripture says, isn't it? And whenever you find yourself wrestling, whenever you find yourself struggling, um, you, you should immediately begin to think, okay, what is the spiritual cause behind this situation? Okay, so our battle is spiritual in nature. Uh, next is God has given us what we need. That's the great news, though. Even though we are in a battle, it's a spiritual battle. God has given us what we need to be victorious. All right, He's given it to us already. So that means, lastly, we need to learn how to use our armor. Well, that just makes sense. If you've been drafted into the United States Army and you're about to be sent to the front lines, you need to start cramming. <laughs> You need to learn how your equipment works. You need to learn where to be, when to be there, all that kind of stuff. So that's what we're doing. We recognize that we're in a spiritual battle, so we need to, to learn about this stuff. So we've been talking about this, and we've gone through a, a few things here. Um, we, we saw verse 14. It says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor, or the breastplate of righteousness. And this is what Mom talked about last week. We talked about two things, truth and righteousness. Now, the belt of truth, just to summarize here, the belt of truth, truth is our core. And, and, and the message last week was called protecting your core or strengthening your core, that's it, which is really big in fitness. I wouldn't know, but I've heard that, that right now your core is really important with strengthening your core because it's what everything connects to. And that's actually a really, really good interpretation of the belt, and tr- belt of truth because it's not like our skinny little belts that just go around our waist. This was actually more like a girdle. It was a bigger piece um, of equipment that the Roman soldiers would use. Um, it it, it, it kept the, all of the underclothing together. It held everything in place. It was what the, the sheath that the sword went into, it, it actually hung on this undergirdle, this, this belt, okay? Uh, and it's also what kept the breastplate, the body armor on top, the shiny silver thing, right? It is what kept that secure. It would actually latch on to this girdle, this big belt that they had underneath. Y'all, truth is at the very core of who we are and what we do. The truth of God is, is our anchor. It, it, it secures us. All right. It's so easy to begin to get off course. It's so easy. There are many lies and, and deceptions out there that are available for you to believe. But the truth that we find in the word of God is our anchor. It is our core. It is our stabilization. We, we need to make sure that we never stop. We never stop. 
giving attention to the core truth that we're taught in the Word of God. And and sometimes, look, if you've been saved a long time, five years, ten years, fifteen years, some of us have been saved like a really long time, longer than we can remember, right? And it's easy for us to chase the next big thing. Well, you know, I've heard at intercessory school that the fourth portal is now open and the chariot of righteousness is coming. I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, I'm not against I'm not against that kind of stuff, but dude, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you don't have that mastered, then who cares about that stuff? Okay? So, so we've got to make sure that the truth of God is our core. Amen? Amen. Um, and then we, we also looked at the breastplate of righteousness. Um, it's, it's still in this verse. It says the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. Now, righteousness is one of those things where it's one of those Bible words, like you're not really going to hear the concept of righteous outside of church unless you're a surfer. Righteous, dude, right? That's the only time I've ever heard righteous outside of a biblical context, okay? Um, But righteousness is simply the state of being in God's good graces, in right standing with God. That's all it means. It means that God looks at you and says, "They're, they're good to go. That's what righteousness is. It's not even being right. You can be right, and God's like, uh-uh, because you weren't right in the correct way. Okay? So, so righteousness is God's way of, of being and doing right. It's, it's where God looks at you, and he has nothing against you. Now, there are three types of righteousness you are going to encounter in this life. Three types of righteousness you're going to encounter. And the first one is the righteousness of the world, and that's doing good deeds. And that's paying it forward. And that's being nice to others. And there's absolutely, positively nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, we need to do all those things. The problem is, it's not good for salvation. Did you hear me? You should do good things. You should do good acts. You should do random acts of kindness. You should treat people well. But that's not what gets you saved. That's not what makes you righteous. Your good works aren't what makes God look down from on high on you and say, they're good to go. He likes the good works. He likes you acting right. But that's not where our righteousness comes from. And we know, you know this to be true. You can see a very altruistic person. I mean, my gosh, if it was measured by good works, whether or not we got into heaven, then Bill Gates would be like a shining star of glory in heaven. Dude gives millions of dollars to charities. They do all sorts of good work, right? I mean, they're philanthropists and people that do all sorts of good things. There are non-Christians who adopt orphans. There are all sorts of, those are good works. They should be done, but they are not the same as righteousness. So the righteousness of the world is incomplete. It's good. It's not bad. It needs to be done, but it's not righteousness. It's not true righteousness. The other type of righteousness is the righteousness of religion. The righteousness of religion is where you bring others down so you look better by comparison. That's the righteousness of religion. In order to make yourself look good, instead of, instead of if this is where you are, instead of making yourself go here somehow, you instead push everyone else down. So you look good. And we see this in scripture. There's actually a moment where um, a Pharisee is praying and they say, Lord, I thank you that I am not a Gentile dog. I mean, his righteousness was based on what he wasn't instead of who he was. And so the righteousness of religion is not good. 
It's not what we need to, to try to do is make ourselves feel better by pushing others down. Okay? All right. The third type of righteousness is the good one. The third type of righteousness. Not the righteousness of the world, which is good, but, but ineffective. Or the righteousness of religion, which is bad and ineffective. <laughs> but it's the righteousness of God, which is simply this. It's simply this. Attaching yourself to Jesus. That's the righteousness of God. Attaching yourself to Jesus. Believing that he is who he said he is. That he'll do what he said he'll do. And saying, Lord, I receive your righteousness because of who you are, not because of who I am. Now, here's what will happen. As you embrace the God kind of righteousness, true righteousness, you will then begin to do good works with a good, pure heart. All right? But it's only after you attach yourself to Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. This is a theological concept called imputed righteousness. When you become a son or daughter of God, as we sang about this morning, when you become a child of God, then he, as a free gift, just by the mere fact that you are now his child, he gives you his righteousness. No matter what your righteousness looks like, by the way, your righteousness is no good. The apostle Paul called it filthy rags. So do you follow? So these are the, I just wanted to spend a little bit, of, I know we're not even talking about this today, but I just wanted to spend a little bit of time and make sure you understand that our righteousness is in Jesus Christ alone. It's not in our own ability. We can never reach the standard that he has said, this is what it takes to be righteous. We can't do it. We can't do it. We don't have it within us. But when we attach ourselves, rely on, trust in Jesus, then we get his righteousness. And that's true, genuine godly righteousness and that's the body armor that's the breastplate that's what protects us amen all right let's move on we're going to do verse 15 this morning it's at n16 it says for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared for shoes we're getting dressed for battle this is our body armor this is our armor that we use for fighting this spiritual fight for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared fully prepared now, i love that fully prepared by the way the, the, the new king james version of this was so confusing to me as a kid uh, it said having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace i remember reading that first of all what is shod? Second of all, the preparation of the gospel of peace. And thinking, wait, is one of those lines you read like four times and then you quit because you're like, I don't get that. Right? Am I the only one that does that sometimes? That's why I love checking different translations, by the way, so you can understand maybe what the intent of the author is. Because this is a very, it's, it's a weird, it's a different concept. But I love, this is the new living I have up on the screen behind me. And it says, it says for shoes, put it on the peace that comes from the good news that, so that you'll be fully prepared. I love fully prepared. Fully prepared. You know, I've read that in certain times of war that soldiers will actually sleep with their boots on. In certain areas of the country where there's imminent threat and attack can come at any point in time, they'll sleep with their boots on. Um, because unprotected feet lead to instability. Look, you can have the best gun in the world. You can have a helmet, you know, all sorts of stuff. But if you're out there walking, you know, against the enemy and you're tiptoeing around because you don't have any shoes on and you're hurting your feet, I've stepped on a Lego before. That junk hurts. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? Those of you with small kids, it usually happens in the middle of the night. You're getting up to do something. All of a sudden, you're, ah, 
Christ. Those things, it's like a stabbing awful, like I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. As a matter of fact, that should be our plan against ISIS. We need to air bomb Legos over their training camps and it'll be done. All right? But, so so we, need to be, we need to be fully prepared. We need to be fully prepared by protecting our feet. Shoes protect you from what's on the ground. It creates a buffer. So that even though there may be shrapnel, there, there may be objects, deadly objects on the ground near us, and we can continue to fight the good fight because it creates a buffer, right? That's what shoes are for. That's what shoes are for. Well, what are our shoes? Well, the scripture says here, for shoes, put on the peace. Wait a minute. I thought we were talking about war. I thought we were talking about fighting a battle. What do you, what do you mean peace here? Peace for war? Is that what we're supposed to do? Well, it's peace that comes from the good news. Peace that comes from the good news. And that's our, that is our buffer. That is our buffer. John 14, 27, Jesus tells his disciples, My peace I give to you, not of this world, but it's a new kind of peace. It's a supernatural peace. It's a peace that you really, really need. All right, the peace of God. See, You are called to fight, yes. You are called to enter into battle, yes. You are called to be in spiritual warfare, yes. But the buffer that keeps you from getting caught up with all the junk on the ground is the peace of God. Hear that? Do you hear that? It's the peace of God. Now, people, when you think peace, you think passive. You think inactivity, right? You think, got nothing to do, laying around, I'm a lazy boy watching TV, I am at peace, right? That's not real, really a, a, a biblical concept of peace. It's not being passive. It's not hiding. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the learned skill of remaining unaffected by problems. Peace is not the absence of problems. It's the learned skill. Learned skill. You're going to have to learn how to do this. It doesn't come naturally. It's the learned skill of remaining unaffected by problems. And that's when, I mean, and look, if you're in a battle, if you're under attack of the enemy, when you're dealing with a situation with a coworker at work or, or a child in your family or a husband or a wife or, or you've got all of a sudden you get the, the letter uh, from your mortgage lender that they're about to foreclose or they're about to repossess your car, you've got serious stuff going on. You need, you're about to enter into battle, right? You need the peace of God. It's not time to relax and you're lazy boy. It's time to recognize I am going to be a child of God through this situation. I'm going to learn to rest while I fight. There's a way you can do it. And it has everything to do with, with, with being prepared, fully prepared, being fully prepared, walking in peace no matter what comes your way. And, 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 and your friend may go off the deep end and, and go nuts, and you can let that destroy your life, keep you up all night, or you can decide that you're going to walk in peace. You may find out that your company is going to be going through massive layoffs, and that's no fun. No one likes job changes when they're unexpected. But you can decide, you can be fully prepared for that situation by choosing ahead of time to walk in peace. Do you see how that works? Okay, so our feet, our feet are wrapped up. In the peace of God, it's a buffer, it's protection for us. I also put, I love Isaiah 9, 6, it's talking about the coming Messiah. One of the things that Jesus is called, before he even came, was the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. I love that. I love that. 
You know, peace is a person. Peace is a person. Uh, there, there is no greater evidence of peace in someone's life when they're going through trials and tribulations and troubles, someone who knows who they are in Christ. It's amazing to watch. The world will flock to watch a believer going through a situation but still having the peace of God because it's so unnatural. It's so natural to go through a situation and freak out. That comes naturally. But, but what doesn't come naturally in the world is just enamored with is a believer who puts their money where their mouth is and says, I not only trust Jesus, but I'm going to act like it when I'm going through a tough situation. So this is one of our, this is one of our weapons. See, this is a weapon, for, it's a weapon of protection for you. So you don't go out into the night fighting a battle without any shoes on, stepping on stuff. Doing the Lego hop. Right, that, it's, it's there for you. You're, you the, the, the peace that comes from the good news is there for you. Peace is necessary for victory. It's necessary for victory. And we're going to have to learn to walk in this. It's one of your weapons. Amen? Amen. It's also good for you. God does. He's good like that. He'll give you a weapon that helps, that helps you be victorious, but also helps you be you. You know what I mean? It's awesome. He's good like that. The next verse here, verse 16, it says, In addition to all of these, all of these being the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the, the, the shoes of peace, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, fiery arrows, y'all ever seen like, Lord of the Rings or Hobbit or some kind of medieval battle, whatever. And you see like, see all the nerds like all of a sudden, what? Middle Earth? What? Um, and like there's this army and they're shooting like these flaming arrows, right? Uh, and, and, and it's like, gosh, it's kind of, like it's bad enough to shoot arrows at me, but you light them on fire, why don't you, you know? So it's, 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 it was a common tactic of warfare during this day and age. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing this, he's pulling from what Rome did. Rome was the occupying and controlling um, government of the area. And Rome was taking over the world at this point in history, okay? Julius Caesar, you've heard that name. He was only about 40, 50 years before Jesus, okay? So this is the time when Rome is simply taking over the entire world, okay? Um, and, and, uh, and they would do that. They would enter into an area. And one of the first things they would do before hand-to-hand combat, from a distance, they would, they would, they would get their, their fiery bows, their fiery arrows, and they would launch that. They weren't shooting for a specific target. They were just trying to wipe out everything with arrows and fire, okay? And so that's what Paul chooses to describe as the attack of the enemy, the fiery arrows of the devil, now, the shield that was commonly used by the Romans when someone tried to do this to them was not a small shield, okay? So they, they, they had two types of shield, and if you were like on the front lines of battle, you would carry a small shield. It was usually rounded, and you'd keep it like this, and then you'd have your sword, okay? But that's not the shield that he's talking about here. The shield that he's talking about was really big. It was rectangular. It was about two feet wide and about four feet tall. It was really big. It was really heavy. And it was meant to protect you because you could, you could get behind that thing and you could crouch behind it. It would protect your whole body. It was an overall protective covering that you could use. And so 
There are fiery arrows, and this lets us know some, some things about the schemes and, and the, the, what the devil does. There are fiery arrows that he sends our way. And it's kind of like a shotgun effect. He, he doesn't always act as a sniper. He, he just throws everything at you and just see what's, and sees what sticks. You know what I mean? And so we need to be really, really aware. Now, what are these, what are these arrows? What are the fiery arrows? I'm, I'll give you three real quick. These are three of the fiery arrows that the devil is going to try to shoot at you. First is accusation. First is accusation. Uh, Revelation 12.10, I have that scripture up behind me. It, 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 um, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but it says that the, that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. It says he accuses the saints day and night. The accuser of the brethren. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes you'll be at work... You'll be at the grocery store. You'll be doing whatever. And then all of a sudden, you start, those thoughts come. You're not loved. You don't matter. Nobody loves you. You're not really forgiven. Everyone knows what you did. You're a fake. You're going to church. You're a fake. No one knows the rule. You're just faking it. Guys, that is not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Those are the fiery arrows of the devil. And I can say that with 100% accuracy because the Holy Spirit convicts while the devil condemns. So the accusations, the accusations of, of the devil, and that's when, you, that's when you hold up that shield of faith and you say, nope, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You stand behind that thing. You say, no, I believe the word. Jesus said that I'm a joint heir with him, that I'm an heir to the promises of God. And, and, and you begin to use the scripture to fight against what the devil's doing. You hold that shield up, Okay. So that's how that works. Another thing is lies. One of the things that the devil has is lies. It's one of the fiery arrows he shoots. He, you know, do you know there's actually, in Scripture, it talks about the doctrine of demons. It's actually bad theology that's uh, specifically and intentionally spread to make us believe the wrong thing. Did you know that? That exists. It's a real thing. It's the fiery arrows. And he's just shooting them all, and he's saying, all right, we'll see who doesn't have their shield up. And we'll see if one of these... Happens to stick. You got to have your shield up. You got to have the shield of faith up. And you got to buckle down behind that thing. Okay? So we've got the accusations, we've got lies. These are the things. The last thing that I just want to bring up is one of the fiery arrows that, that the enemy throws at us is the, is the arrow of offense. He not only gives you fiery arrows against you, saying that you're no good, you're not really forgiven, you're not really this, but he begins to to, um, to uh, shoot arrows at you that are arrows of offense against other people. Oh, yeah, well, they are this. They're talking about you behind your back. They're, they're hypocrites. They're doing this, and you get offended. That preacher just wants your money, right? All, all, all these kind of things that the enemy will throw your way and see what sticks. And if you don't have the, no, Lord, I trust you. You told me not to get out of fellowship, and I know the church can do some damage, but I am going to stand behind the shield of faith. And that's how that works. So accusation, lies, and offense. Accusation, lies, and offense are the fiery arrows of the enemy. And it's the shield of faith. And we don't have really a whole lot of time to get into this. But, you know, faith, a one-word synonym, synonym, (laughs) I'm hungry. A one-word synonym for faith, it's really, really easy. It's belief. And, and there's been a lot of teaching in the body of Christ that has kind of turned faith in this mystical, magical, substance, 
that it's really difficult to wrap your mind around. All it is is belief. It's, it, the word literally, it just literally means to believe. It's the state of being firmly convinced. Fully convinced, totally convinced. All right? That's what, that's what faith is. Now, I need you to hear this. Strong faith is not the absence of trials in your life. See, we have a tendency to look at someone who's got a better car than us, a bigger house than us. All their kids are color-coordinated at church. You're like, wow, they're all wearing blue. And, and, and we look at them and think, wow. That dude, that woman, they must have major faith. No, they just shop at a store where you can get all the different sizes for your kids, all right? And they're probably in a bunch of debt because of their house and car. So that's not faith. Faith is not someone not having trials. Strong faith is victory through trials. Victory through trials. See, people don't need to see the church being perfect, and there's this idea out there, well, I need to show the world that I've got it all together so they'll want to be, no, 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 no. You're going to fail and they're going to call you a hypocrite. No, what the, what the world needs to see is an authentic church. A church that's willing to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm going through some stuff right now, but I've got the peace, the supernatural peace, the supernatural joy of God in my life. They need to see your trust in the Lord. Not your lack of problems. I'll close with this. One of my good friends I was praying with for years and years and years, he used to be a co-worker of mine. He got saved um, after several years of talking to him. And it, they were harsh conversations. He was a raving atheist. I mean, he was, he was uh, anytime anything bad would happen in the news, he would call me. And he'd say, where's God? Where's your God? And he would point all that stuff. And, you know, I would try to point to some scriptures, stuff like that. But in the end... What he, what he needed was not a theology lesson. He needed an experience with the Lord. Well, he got that. He got that with a friend, and it was a, um, uh, it was a friend of his that was dealing with, um, with cancer. And he went over to see her, and he was just so broken up because he was really sensitive to bad things happening to good people. And so he went over to see, and he was, he was expecting to see just this terrible scene, but his friend was a believer, and they were working on him just like I was. He went over to her house, and she had just received the message from the doctor, go home. There's nothing else we can do for you now. And he walks in the room, and he sees the biggest smile on her face. The atmosphere was different inside that house than it was outside that house. The presence of the Lord was there, and he was floored. He told me later, and he goes, I was fully expecting her to be afraid like I am of death. I was fully expecting her to be mad at God like I was because she was sick. But I saw in her the strongest faith I'd ever seen. Someone who was looking death right in the eye, and they smiled. They were filled with peace and with joy. And I became a believer. Now, I believe in healing. We've seen cancer healed here. We've seen it healed. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying everyone go get cancer so people get saved. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the peace of God, true faith is not an absence of trials. True faith is peace and joy and love through the trial. And that is the shield that we can hunker down behind. And, and, and we can show the world this is what it looks like to trust God in spite of circumstances, in spite of, of bad environments, in spite of what's going on, I trust the Lord. And I'm not going to let the fiery darts of the enemy, the fiery arrows get to me. Amen?
Amen. Hey, I need to end this. We're going to baptize some folks. Y'all stand up. We're going to.